0: I am from beyond. Listen, and all you desire will be yours. Welcome to Spider-Man and the Secret Wars.
1: Prepare for battle. Shock. Phobia Fest. Welcome to Prattleworld. I am your host, the ever-amazing, ever-spectacular Spider-Dan. And in this podcast, I spotlight entertainment's best-kept secrets that a mainstream audience may find boring. And welcome to Phobia Fest, a month-long celebration of All Hallows' Eve most frightening films and comic spooks. And since this has been the longest year on record, my guest wants to talk about Batman's longest year. Welcome back, Daniel Keatis.
0: Hello. It's
1: a pleasure to be back on Prattle World. How are you, sir? I'm very good. I'm very good. Thank you again for being my guest. It's been I think it's been since Christmas since I had your last It time?
0: has been a long time. Uh the last time we talked it was about was it Batman and the Outsiders? It was. was it was Batman. Time? It was Batman. Goodness gracious. So so we're back in we're back in the same sort of uh, realm. Same sort of wheelhouse. And I always feel marginally guilty when we talk about Batman um because it's not exactly uh, a best kept secret of of, of entertainment (laughs) media, um, especially with Warner Brothers, like very, very... Um, reticent to venture outside of of Batman and his his sort of uh, ancillary characters. Uh, on <laughs> that is extreme. true. That is true. But um, but yeah, I think I think I wanted to talk about this book because it's something that means a great deal to me, and it's something that has had. I think even if you've never read this book, you will recognise uh, where it's been referenced. Uh, certain panels have been referenced in certain things. I'm thinking mostly the, the the rooftop scene in the Dark Knight between Batman Commissioner Gordon and Harvey Dent is directly pulled from uh, this book, and uh, and just the whole sort of uh, very noirish uh, murder mystery aspect of it. it seems to be a very big part of. Uh, I was going to say next year's the Batman, but yes, uh, I believe yeah. it's been bumped to twenty 2020- twenty March
1: twenty twenty two now. No,
0: <laughs> which is uh, yeah, COVID really is the gift that keeps on ca- on uh, taking. So yes,
1: well, this is a, like I said, this has been a very long year, and this is of course we're talking about Batman the Long Halloween. So this is a, a big kind of seminal book, um, a spiritual sequel, if not direct sequel to to Year One, Batman Year One. There was a comic book called Year Two, and there was a Batman Year Three as well. But they're kind of we don't talk about those. Yeah, we, we, we kind of want to forget them. Uh, they not not. I mean, there's some interesting stuff in them. Don't get me wrong. Have, but, you, have you read Have you read Year Two or Three? I, I have read Year Two. I've not read Year Three. So um, I, I, it's one of those I, I kept meaning to
0: pick it up. And it was never sort of a a price point that was affordable for me. And Mm. then the longer I left it, the less interested I seemed in revisiting it. But from what I understand, it was uh, like a big part of it was... Why Batman doesn't use a gun? Like he started out using one or flirting with the
1: idea of using one, but uh, then something happens in that book that makes him. Yeah, if I remember rightly, it's been again. It's been a while. I think I do. I I do have it somewhere. I do own it. Um, It's got some great Todd McFarlane covers as well Mm and artwork. Mm -hmm. um, But he doesn't do all of the issues. I think uh, Alan Davis comes on and does does the rest of the work. But it's kind of about him confronting Joe Chill okay about, about the killing of his parents and he has he ke- he's kept the gun Oh, right, okay. So he carries the gun that killed his parents and he's going to kill Joe Chill with it. That's why he's running around with a gun and most of the, the covers, controversially. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, but it turns out that there is a new vigilante called the Reaper who inspired the Phantasm from the animated movie. And he has to team up to stop the Reaper, team up with Joe Chill, the killer of his parents, to stop this character. So there's some interesting elements, but I I don't think it's the best kind of thought out and direct sequel to year one with year one being like the classic, you know, the, you know, it's just hailed as one of the best, if not the best Batman story of all time. Um, I think this is so much closer to being in tone and character wise and, the world changes with this book. I think the mm, world mm. of Gotham specifically changes from these kind of pinstripe suit, classic gangsters, yeah, yeah. you know, the criminal element to the kind of freaks of Gotham, the Arkham asylum inmates, the Mad Hatters and scarecrows of the world. This, this kind of opens that door. And it even, it even says in the book that it kind of goes, you know, we see a lot more of these weirdos now that you've come around. So yeah. it's almost like Batman is the magnet for the madness. There's kind of a, a kind of a touchstone for all the crazy in the world. Well, I mean, it starts off direct, like the first page
0: is directly referencing the Godfather where you've got uh, Bruce Wayne with his, his hat in his hand saying, I believe in Gotham city is directly referencing that sort of, uh, I believe in America monologue from yeah, the yeah. opening of the Godfather. What is so wonderful to me about this book is it speaks very much to my sort of Batman sensibilities, but it also kind of informs them as well. Hmm. So I, I first picked this book up. I'm holding it right now in my hands. Actually, this is this, so this, uh, the Bible. this ever so slightly worn, uh, ever so slightly foxed copy of Batman, the long, Halloween. I purchased in, I think uh, it would have been the summer of 1999 uh, and I bought it at a place called the Trafford Center. Uh, which, if you live in the Greater Manchester area or in the Northwest, you'll know it, of it. It's obviously lots of uh, little shops have come and gone through there over the years. And yeah, of a, a lot of the smaller ones that couldn't afford to be there now. And when it first opened, there were quite a few. There was like a little sort of uh, almost like a marketplace bit where you had these little independent stores, and there was one called The Last Picture Show which was um, kind of like a mini Forbidden Planet, I guess. Yeah, it was
1: very kind of cult movie, memorabilia. Yeah, yeah. There there were little bits here and there, little
0: uh, bits of collectibles, the odd action figure thrown in here and there. And uh, there was uh, some, you know, like you get the the film cells that you mount on the wall. There was a lot of them. And they had a, a modest selection of graphic novels. And at the time, so I would have been about 16, 17. And at the time, I remember... I mostly used to get monthly co- monthly comics from a little store in Lee Market, where I grew up. It's a shit hole.
1: <laughs> you and then, you and I have that in common. <laughs> there, was, there was a
0: little there was a little store in market, a little used bookseller, and he had just a box of comics and it was, you know, 25p each, uh, five for a pound. Uh, so me and my mate, we'd, we'd, we'd go through and we'd dig through and, and you'd never get any sort of continuity from all no. the you, know, you could never follow a story. So I remember, I think I got some um, George Presley, Wolfman, Teen Titans. Nice, But again, nice. like loads and loads of issues apart. So I yeah. like, no, no, I got some, uh, some sort of like just after the death of Superman where he had the big long mullet. Oh, yeah. I got some of those issues. I got some really nice, um, I got some of the really nice, uh, Post Nightfall issues of Batman, you know where Kelly Jones took over on the artwork, Ooh, and it got yeah. very, very dark and expressionistic. Very nice. Uh, that that was a big part of like shaping what I look for in a Batman story uh, when I was a kid. And um, there was also some of the Norm Brayfogle uh, Batman stuff. One of my favorite Batman artists. And I remember. Rest those, in peace. There but... was a very yeah, bless him. Uh, yeah. There was a very very um, one of my favorite issues was one where he battles Etrigan the Demon.
1: Oh yeah, and that great. Um,
0: it, it was the one where sort of like Etrigan choking life out of him, and he's like, I, I've got to do something. But, and he, and he it hits him as hard as he can with all he's got, and he's like, No, that's like punching a, a rock and uh, Etrigan's just kind of like he's taken aback by it and he's like I do believe I'll laugh and he just starts <laughs> cackling manically and he's like oh I, I like I like this guy and uh, it, I remember his like parting shot to him is like um, I, I'll take comfort in knowing that I'm not the only demon lurking in a man's body nice <laughs> when he, when I he like takes that. his That's leave cruel. Yeah. Uh, but it obviously, says it in much more poetic sort of verse than, of course, uh, yeah. than I'm doing right being now. Being a
1: being a rhyming demon, <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> but uh, but yeah, back to Long Halloween. So I, I I saw this book and I was flicking through it and it just. Absolutely spoke to my sense. Like the the expressionistic uh, nature of Tim Sale's art, I loved how sort of huge and monolithic Batman looked. I love what he did with Gotham City. Uh, as, as someone who who grew up watching Tim Burton's Batman films, uh, and they mean a lot to me, so I, I really loved how expressionistic and noir esque Gotham looked. Uh, I loved the use, what he did with the use of shadows. Mm. I loved the muted the muted color palette. wasn't like anything I'd seen in comics before mm. because I was reading, you know, just monthly from the 80s and early 90s Um, and so i i didn't i didn't catch this as it was coming out i think i was a little bit young to be following well not young but like it, it wasn't the the comics landscape wasn't the same as it is today you know no. you, you couldn't pick up your monthlies the day they came out on comicsology you know you 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 were sort of beholden to what you could get from your local news agents as well it, it, especially in like a little small town yeah exactly. um so I remember flicking through this book and absolutely falling in love and and uh, I think you know it's twelve issues so it was a big hefty. I thought, oh, it's a big hefty book and it's about the same price as all the others, so I'm getting more value for money here and and flicking through it, it's it looks like it's my sort of jam, you know, Mm. in terms of like what I expect from a Batman story. And I'm flicking through and I'm seeing, wow, jokes in this one, wow, Riddlers in it, wow, you've got Scarecrow here and there, and you've got all these cool gangster types. Um and this I hadn't actually read year one at this point, so this was actually my the prelude was my gateway into not only year one but The Dark Knight Returns. Wow uh, because there's uh there's a little uh a little not prelude, sorry, a forward. There's a yeah, little yeah. forward in it. Um by I think uh, it's Je- I think it's Jeff Loeb, I think. It is Jeff Loeb, yeah. That's right, yeah. So Jeff Loeb's got a little forward in there where he talks about sort of um wanting to... Uh, Archie Goodwin, who was editing, yeah. uh, I believe, Batman at the time. What a, what a legend. Yeah, the, the legend that is Archie Goodwin. He he was saying to them in a meeting about how Frank Miller doesn't appear to want to revisit the year one sort of characters. Uh, and I, I really like what you guys do with film noir, so would you like to do a, a sort of film noir-inspired Batman murder mystery? Um, and which which ended up being The Long Halloween and uh, so I, I was like, what, "What's this? What's this Batman Year One? What?" And then it said, uh, "So uh, what? What?" And it says, "While Year One isn't the classic that is the Dark Knight Returns," I am like, oh, "What's this? What's this Dark Knight Returns?" Mm. So, uh, so I ended up checking out these these very seminal Batman books as a result of picking up this.
1: Um, well, this I mean, this is for me. This is a seminal Batman it is. book. It's got to go up there with with those, I believe. Like my yeah. my humble opinion. I don't know if everyone else will agree, but I think it is one of those. Strong Batman stories, and it's—I think it's got some of the best elements I find in Batman stories. That it's—it's it's a mystery. Mm-hmm. It's kind of set early in his career. He's yes. not—he's a, a fallible human being. He makes mistakes. He's not the great world's greatest detective yet. You know, he's got somewhere to go, and that the—the landscape of Gotham is not necessarily what you expect it to be. Yeah. Or, and the challenge—he hasn't come up against those kind of big challenges. Those, you know, he's not taken on all the Bat family, whether you like them or not um you know there's there's those kind of elements so i i, I always like that that's why i used to love the the legends of the dark knight series yeah. that has like venom in there and uh, shaman and loads of other great stories because they're usually kind of set around that era kind yeah. of quite early on in his career um and kind of introduce a lot of the kind of villains and stuff so i've always kind of enjoyed those kind of batman stories especially like being a massive fan of batman the animated series Yes, absolutely yeah. like there's a there's a lot i feel there's a lot of that in this and i think they probably took some of that inspiration as well tim Sale's style is is almost more like a cartoonist i think almost there's mm. there's, a, there's it's it's not realistic it's not realistic it's not like not, a, no. an alex ross um, but there is there's there's this energy to it, and this dynamism, and this, and also like you were saying, the stillness and the and the use of the color and stuff. Interesting fact: Tim Sale is actually colorblind. I remember you telling me that a yeah. long time ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that was
0: really. I mean, I'm assuming that he wasn't the inker on this. I'm assuming no, he I imagine just not. did pencils on this. Uh, in fact, I'm so sorry, uh, inkers of the world. I apologize. Uh, it was Jeffrey Wright who is the inker on on these uh, yeah. on these issues. And what,
1: and what a great job he does. Like, yeah it's in, it's incredible and every every splash page you could mount on your wall like quite I'd mount them on my wall quite happily um just gorgeous gorgeous work
0: well there are a lot of uh, I mean when we just a heads up we're not going to get into spoiler territory uh we're also not going to talk ever so much about the plot no, um, no, not really. Because if if you're a Batman fan, you've probably read this anyway. And uh, if you're if you if this book has somehow eluded you, but you're sort of aware of its reputation, we wouldn't want to um, deprive you of the gift of discovering uh the 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 main sort of story beats for yourself and 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 uh, if
1: it's if it's going to be integral kind of story elements from the new film we could potentially be spoiling the film as well yeah which it very which it very much could be i mean just to go off on a little
0: mini tangent um as you know i was a little bit resistant to uh what what became the batman um mostly because sort of you know I know that a lot of, there are a lot of Batman fans who like Batman to be very much in his own sandbox and build out from that, if you will, but like keep him away from the Justice League. Um, but having grown up with, having seen a lot of that. Uh, I was I was ready to see Batman sort of uh, mixing up with Superman and Wonder Woman and the Flash. Um and as as you know, I am much more uh, DCEU uh positive than yeah, yeah. than many. But uh I, I was very much sort of um when when Ben Affleck sort of took a step back from from playing Batman, uh it's nice to see he's coming back now, but that's Absolutely. another that's a whole other podcast. Um <laughs> I was kind of, my sort of enthusiasm for the project kind of dropped off from there. Um and then when they started looking for a younger Batman, I thought I just thought, "Oh, okay, so this could be a, a prequel because you've got yeah. 20 years worth of Batman stories mm-hmm. to tell in that in that universe. That's cool." Um and then when it, we found out that Matt Reeves wanted to do his own thing and not be beholden to the the sort of DC Films canon, I thought, mm, "Do we is it really the best idea to have Batman in his own little pocket universe? Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see." Um, but like the more I found out, the more I thought, well, isn't this going to be sort of like Nolan Dark Knight trilogy two And I, my enthusiasm kind of waned a little bit. But when that first teaser came out, the uh, the DC fandom teaser, the the feel of it very much so took me to how I felt when I was first reading this book, uh, The Long Halloween, and uh, this sort of uh, the the whimsical. Uh, quite ominous, um, atmosphere that it manages to create. Um, and there's a, there's kind of a, a, a visual richness to it as well. And, and it's got elements of noir and kind of elements of psychological thriller. And I thought, okay, yeah, this is mm. I, I, like, you know, I'll put my slippers on and put my feet under the table because I'm home, you know, yeah, in, terms, exactly, yeah. in terms of my Batman sensibility. It's so. definitely
1: a very kind of, there's, there's a lot of like, this is not like, again, like, Comics are absolutely not not always for children, you know. No. And I think this one is is not one you would give to a child to go, here you go, Batman. You know, this is deep, dark, rich, textured storytelling. I'd give it to like maybe a precocious eleven
0: or twelve year old. Yeah, I'd probably say. Yeah. I'd say that like you wouldn't you wouldn't give it to your to your seven year old, I'd I'd say. No. Um, but yeah, I think, I think this is, I think this is, if you, if your Batman sensibilities are shaped by this book, you're in, um, (laughs) as mine were, you're in a good place, you know, I think, I think read this and you'll know what you want from a good Batman
1: story. Hmm. I think so. I think you are absolutely right. Um, I will I will talk about the plot in a, in the barest sense that we can. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, just like it's just it's just going to be like a little synopsis. But basically, it's effectively year two of Batman's career. We've had year one. It's kind of coming off the back of that. There is a crime boss known as Carmine Falcone, or Falcone, however you want to pronounce it. The Roman and the Roman yeah. Empire. Um, so he's very much like a kind of a Mario Puzo esque Godfather type figure, and you know. Open like you said. It opens very much like The Godfather on the wedding day. You have come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding. You know all that sort of stuff. Um, that was very good. Uh, well, I do try. <laughs> I was an actor. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's even that scene later with one of the other bosses where he's like picking oranges. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the Maronis one of the Maroni's picking oranges and then gets shot. Um, but yeah, so that's the. So they decide, Gordon, Batman bring Harvey Dent in because they think he's the best guy to help bring down this criminal empire. Uh, And they very tentatively team up. Um, And throughout the book, what I really like is that they... Slowly begin not to trust each other as much because they don't know what's going on, who's doing what. Could it be one of them potentially doing what, what happens within the book? So there are a series of murders that are planned and taken place, take place on holidays. So the first one is Halloween and then it holiday every month until the following halloween where the the story resol- resolves and it is they nickname the, the killer holiday and mm-hmm. they use uses a small 22 pistol with a, a kind of a the bottle of a baby's the, the nipple baby. of a baby bottle yeah, yeah nipple of a as baby a bottle as, as a silencer um and they always leave a little knick-knack like saint patrick's day there's a little leprechaun and a pumpkin. cornucopia for
0: thanksgiving yeah <laughs> Pumpkin for Halloween. Yeah, there's some good ones as well. There's a, a, I think it's a tie for Father's Day, which I thought was kind of. Cute. Yeah, that's great. I love that actually. I thought it was really good. Um, a box of it,
1: chocolates for Valentine's Day. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, you see the fireworks. The kind of you see the fireworks. I think in the background for Fourth of July. Yes. So there's quite a few kind of elements of that. So the the whole story is about them trying to solve. Who the holiday killer is, mm-hmm. while also trying to bring Falcone down, and seeing the lengths they have to go to, and and what they're going to have to be kind of guilty of potentially, mm-hmm. uh, criminal actions potentially, but they're trying to do it within the law where they can. Um, that's the basic premise, I think. Yeah. Um, and then obviously you get all the kind of crazy kind of Catwoman, Joker, all these kind of characters come come forward. Yeah. There's a lot kind of,
0: of a lot of uh, Batman's Rose gallery kind of just weave in and out of the. Story story and what i like is even though some of them are in there they're quite tangentially they uh they never feel like they're forced in like even even the joker who works best when he doesn't really have an agenda he's just kind of like a a weapon of mass destruction i think that his reason for being there is uh quite fitting and uh, i love the way uh Tim Sale draws the Joker as well. Just oh, this, yeah. this incredibly sort of um expressionistic uh with the with the, the huge smile and the huge pointy
1: chin and the millions of teeth. Millions of French fry teeth. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say I do like a lot of the designs for the Rogues Gallery. I love I'm a big my scarecrow is like my favourite Batman villain. I love that he's got like the kind of the stick in the back. Yes. Um, it's all black and he's got this kind of big, almost like crow-like nose across the mask, very gaunt figure, he's got horrible nails and and fingerless gloves um, I think the only design I, the redesign I don't really like is the penguin see I like the penguin cause, that's
0: because I like my Danny DeVito Tim Burton kind of penguin yeah, I like yeah. him to be flippers and, A bit, and f- uh, bit freaky yeah yeah yeah, and, uh, but he's he's not in this very much. He's in the no. sequel more.
1: Um, yeah, it's, for me, it's just the very big mouth he has and the tiny tiny teeth. Yeah, it, I, I see. I quite like that. That's yeah. my jam. well, that's <laughs> not. I disagree. Oh, horrifically disagree. Um, no, I think I think it's I I think there is always like designs of characters and everything's up to artistic interpretation. But of that, it that is, particular yeah. one, I don't particularly like. But all the other ones, I love. I really like that they include Solomon Grundy in this as well. Like. Yeah, I mean, without wanting to get into specifics, I think Solomon Grundy is... uh responsible for one of my
0: favourite little moments and I, I apologise, this is kind of it's not really a plot spoiler but it's no. its just a special little moment where so, so Batman and Solomon Grundy have this, this big fight and then towards the end of the issue, uh, Solomon Grundy's been lurking in the sewers and at the end of the issue you see, because it's, uh, it's Thanksgiving, or is it no, it's Christmas, it's Christmas Day and yeah, Batman so. leaves a little sort of like plate of Christmas roast for oh, Solomon Grundy yeah. and, and you just see him leave the little plate and then leave it and then you just see Solomon Grundy sort of like, his arm come into frame mm-hmm and take a little chicken drummer and yeah. that that charmed me because I thought, you know, he can beat the living shit out of a guy but also, you know, recognise that, He's got issues, and he 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 wants to have a, a nice a nice meal on yeah, Christmas day. Yeah. And I think I
1: think he understands like like Batman understands what the true who the true monsters are. And, yeah, uh, and he's kind of kind of just misunderstood, very much like a Bizarro type. Yeah, um, he's, he, he didn't ask he didn't ask to be uh, to be what he is, did he? Solomon no, exactly. And there's a, there's another moment again, which is kind of uh, another one of my favorite moments as well in the book. But it's but it's between him and Harvey Dent. Later on in the book, um, mm. when they kind of they kind of bump into each other, but again, I don't want to spoil it. But they do they bump into each other and they have a kind of similar kind of almost like, oh, you're a bit like me, aren't you? you're, yeah. you're similar yeah. to me. Um, you know, and they both kind of sit down and, and have each other's company. And there's no kind of violence or anything. So so I I always I always enjoy kind of the lesser known characters popping up as well. The kind yeah. of, um, speaking of lesser known characters. I love the reinterpretation of the Calendar Man.
0: Yeah, yeah that cuz he was very much sort of um golden age.
1: I think I think maybe silver to silver bronze. Age. Yeah, I think silver to bronze. Um I remember I read one. I read a Len Wein story where he um, he dresses up as something different because he never really had a, a set. A lot of people remember him wearing the big calendar, the red and white thing, yeah. but he didn't actually wear that very often. He would he would dress like um, one one Walt Simonson story I read. He would dress up like Odin, okay, and, and then dress up like Thor, and it was based on like the days of the week and stuff like that and why they were named certain things. So he would always have like a slightly different outfit, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, he's he's kind of turned in this and this is like the, the the constant interpretation for this character now since this book yeah like, yeah you play the Arkham games calendar man's in there and he's portrayed just e- like exact this.
0: same aesthetic exact same sort of uh, exactly he's in the exact same place as well <laughs> exactly yeah that's true
1: that's true <laughs> he's not moved up. he's still locked up and, and um I remember if you if you visited him on a holiday he would say something related to that holiday
0: yeah I because I remember at the time I really wanted to get all the trophies on my <laughs> Xbox 360 so I remember just going in and changing all the dates and (laughs) logging back into the game and visiting him like, yeah, I think 12 times. Uh, Oh, happy times. Good times. times. Good game. Good game. Good
1: game. Very good game.
0: But yeah, Um, he's very much sort of um, you, like the same presence and the same plot function as Hannibal Lecter in in this story. Um, And there's a a similar moment, which uh, I really, really like, where you've got Batman and the Riddler both trying to figure out who Holiday is. Um, at the same time, but where Batman's sort of like working quietly and diligently, the Riddler's kind of being all flamboyant and showing off and, and trying to sort of like weave through, oh, it could be this person, it could be that person, and just
1: not really, (laughs) cause he's uh, commissioned by Carmine Falcone to find out who Hardy is. And, um, I think that's one of my favorite issues in the whole book because the, the Riddler is known for his intelligence and he's known for being able to figure stuff out and, you know, Put the puzzles and uncover them and things like that, and even Batman's teamed up with him from time to time because that's a a skill that he can kind of use. Yeah. Um. But in this this particular month is April Fool's Day. Yeah. And and I love that even the Riddler. Can't figure it out. All of his guesses, like even even when he's talking to Carmine, he's like, "Who is it?" And he's like, "It could be this person, it could be that <laughs> person, but what about this person?" And then he even goes to Carmine, who's like, oh, "You know, Carmine is the holiday," and he starts laughing. He's like, "You're an idiot!" Yeah, uh, sends him out, shoves him out the door. Or uh, Sophia gigante Falconi, or falcone Giganti as she's called between issues. So whoever, whatever her name is, who knows? Um, it's one way or the other. Um, she pushes out the door, and then Holiday appears and goes to shoot him and doesn't shoot him yeah. because it's April Fool's Day. Yeah, um, I, I, and that charmed me. I think that was a really good idea because, again, he's a fool because he can't figure it out. This big brain can't figure it out. But he's also April Fool's. You expect something to happen, but the joke is, you know. you would, you. I kind of expected, like, the Joker to be on April Fool's Day just because of yeah. just because of it being April Fool's Day. Um, but I, I really loved that issue. I thought it was a really clever idea. And yeah, I thought it was a great ending to that particular issue. But again, all good stuff. But that one, I really, that really touched me in the right way. Not so, in a dirty way, just, in no. the, just the right way. So, how, how did you come to this story then? Did you did you pick it up as individual
0: issues? Because you would have been quite young when this came out. I think mm. it was 96, 97?
1: Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I didn't read it until. So, I, I've always been a bit of a Marvel kid, as yep. you know. Um, And I think as I was kind of getting back, I. I kind of dropped comics for quite a while and got quite into wrestling. Um, wrestling. And and trying to, you know, get with girls and stuff. Because um, that's what you do as a teenager. And it's like, girls all like comics and action figures, so get rid of them. Um, so that's what I thought. I thought, that'll do it. Uh, <laughs> uh, to my surprise, it was not the case. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, so I got back into comics. I was reading kind of Spider-Man X-Men again. Yeah. Read some kind of Marvel horror titles. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to branch out. I'm a bit bored. I'm going to branch out, so I've done all the Spider-Man, X-Men, Marvel stuff. So I started reading things like Moon Knight, Iron Fist, kind of lesser-known characters and stuff I'd never really would have read. So yeah. eventually, I was like, okay, let's do Batman. I know it's an obvious one, but let's kind of do Batman. Um, and I, I did, you know, one, did Dark Knight Returns, did all the other ones. And I think I did a few of the ones that were available in my local comic book shop, which was called Thunder Books, and it had the uh, had the um, the kind of insignia and logo of Thunderbirds. Nice. Um, so it's, I think it's called. Infinity Infinity Comics now, if it's still going. Okay. Um, I guess they're trying to, you know, plug into the plug into the kind of uh, the the zeitgeist at the moment, or well, the Infinity stuff. Fair enough. Stuff, Fair enough. Which is fine. Um, so I I asked it. I actually requested them to order it in, which was I, I did that with a few books, but they never told me it came. Oh, what? They never told me it got there. So you had it waiting for you, all all sort of gathering dust. So ghost. when I when I I was like, they've never told me about this, so I'm guessing it never came in. I, I rocked up, and what do I find on the shelf? The same one I ordered. Oh, what? Wow. <laughs> uh, so I was like, well, I didn't mention it because I, I was like, the guy's nice. I was just like, you know what? I'll just buy it. It's here now. I'm just going to buy it. So I, I bought the same book. Yeah. Um, I rebought it for, because I don't have it on me in my house currently. So I rebought it again on Comixology to read. Okay. So glad I did. But yeah, I I loved it. I, just, I think it's great. I think it's again, it's one of these great stories. It's nice. It's a proper epic. Yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to the two part animated film that they're going to bring out as well. I think.
0: Yeah, I'm very I'm, I'm very interested to see what it's going to look like because mm. um, as much as I did enjoy the sort of interconnected um, DC animated films that they they did, I think post um, Justice League War. And I can't remember when that came out. Maybe 2013, 2012? That sounds about right. Kind of Um, did this new 52 linked universe kind of stuff. And as much as I hated the costumes, I liked the films. Um, And that sort of ended with... that Justice League Dark, uh, was it Dark Side War or Apocalypse War? Th- I'm going
1: to say Apocalypse War. Apocalypse
0: War, yeah, that sounds right. Uh, which I still haven't seen yet, but um, oh, it's really good. I, 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 I do, highly recommend. I it. do intend to sort of like go through them all, mm. and and because and, I've, I've still got this enormous um, box set of DC animated films that, from Superman. Um, uh, what's that? Definition? Doomsday. Su- Doomsday. Yeah, yeah, Superman Doomsday onwards, uh, and that that goes right up to um, the Batman Harley Quinn animated. Oh film, quite so which, quite fairly recently. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I've got a bunch sort of after that. So I do intend at some point um to to go through those. Mm. Uh, sorry, massive tangent. No. Um, but I lo- we
1: love our tangents.
0: It's it's quite it's quite it's gonna be really interesting to see now that they're no longer beholden to that model, um, what they do with um so they, they can basically create an aesthetic from the yeah. ground up yeah, yeah. with every individual film, which I think I think works in, I, in their I, I favor. Per- I
1: personally preferred that. I didn't like the new fifty two mm. star much like like yourself. Mm. I didn't like that look to the characters. And I also quite like them getting different voice actors in. Yeah. Because I think yeah. that gives everybody an opportunity to play Batman to play Wonder Woman, you know, all those kind of characters. And it and it makes every film feel a bit more unique. Yeah. Um, that's why I like Gotham by Gaslight and Red Sun, because again they they broke away from that new fifty two aesthetic. Um but I do get what they were trying to do, the linked universe, linked stories, yeah. You know, the same voice actors. There's a bit of kind of continuity there. Yeah. Um so I do appreciate that. And and again, if you watch Apocalypse War you'll see a lot of like winks and nods to the previous movies. Okay. Um, cool. so it's really really fun. A lot of my friends uh, that I've spoken to have really enjoyed it and re- highly recommend it. I'm definitely it. looking forward to it. I will I will pick it up. Oh, um, yeah. There's there's a bunch
0: of the latter ones that I, they did a Hush one as well which yeah, is uh, same same writer as Batman Long Halloween different illustrator obviously very much Jim Lee. Yeah. Um but that that that's a, that's I think gets I think especially among younger fans that yeah that is held up as sort of like the uh, the seminal one but i think for my money the long halloween is far superior book to mm. uh, to hush yeah. I, I like hush i like right? i really like hush and as i think well, yeah. that there are some there are some similarities in terms of sort of like it's a, a mystery and that pulls in yeah, all the characters, Rose gallery yeah. here and there and it's got superman popping up in it which always gets a, a vote from me um <laughs> And uh, to go off on another tangent, I really love um, the um, the Jeff of Tim Sale Superman um, Superman four seasons. Yes, oh absolutely. Yeah, I'm getting really forgetful in my old age. <laughs> but um, that that I was really really curious to see how Tim Sale's style would adapt to Superman, mm. um, because when I when I when I read Long Halloween, I thought this is the perfect fit. And I couldn't imagine how how Superman would work in that mm. sort of visual context, but I, I picked it up, and you've got this lovely sort of like sun dappled, um... very, very
1: Norman Rockwellian.
0: Very rockwellian, yeah. Very sort of like that, those smallville scenes of Superman seventy eight, and uh, and I I started flicking through that and I thought, oh yeah, this is this is exactly it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I really, 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 really enjoy that book. I uh,
1: I'll be honest, I almost I almost pick up everything Tim Sale does because I, I love him that much. I I love all the Marvel stuff they did as well. Um, Hulk Gray, spider uh, Spider-Man Blue, Daredevil Yellow. Is excellent? Um, did you read Captain America White? I did, yeah. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, really good. It took good. a long,
0: long... It was a long time coming. Yeah, it right? was. I, I there really was, enjoyed there it. Was,
1: there was a lot of uh, delays because they partially brought it out and then they kind of stopped for a long time then re-released it and yeah. then finished it off. Um, but no, it was it was fun. It was good. It was everything I expect from a Tim Sale-Jeff Loeb team-up. Um, yeah, and uh, I also really like um, Darwin Cook and Tim Sale's uh, Superman, Kryptonite. Kryptonite yeah, excellent book.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I really loved in that story how uh, this is the tangent of all tangents. But <laughs> I really loved how um, that's that's very much a Superman Year Two story in that like he doesn't know he's invulnerable. He's still getting scripts with his powers, and you know every time he throws himself in front of something to save someone this could be the thing that kills him. Or I, yeah. me- I remember there was a really, really um, intense scene of him flying into an active volcano mm. and he comes out and he's like vomiting lava. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah. That's- <laughs> it's not often you see Superman doing something that makes you think, oh, is he going to be all right? Yeah.
1: But that, I think that's, that speaks to Superman as well, even though he, it's, it's quite, in a way, it's quite dark, his thought process in that book. It's quite kind of fatalistic and mm-hmm. kind of you know uh, morbid, if you will. Um, but he still does it. Yeah. Like, he still goes through it. He doesn't go, ooh, you yeah. know, he's still, you know, full speed at the problem and gonna, he's going to fix it regardless because that's yeah. who he is and what he I, does. I can
0: only do this if I know my limits regardless of, you know, my, yeah. my own personal peril. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And,
1: and again, he needs to know his limits because you know what if he comes into something that he thinks he can tackle and save people, and he doesn't. I read a, I read a book recently, one of the Elseworlds titles uh, called "Act of God," and it's this black lightning event that takes away all the superheroes' powers. Okay, and Superman's trying to stop a flood and loses his powers, and and that's that's it. This whole Town gets kind of wiped away. He almost dies, and then all the people stop, stop, like stop and start having a go at him, saying, "Why don't you save everybody? What have you done?" Yeah, you know. And it's like he's like, "I don't know." And he goes into this like huge depression. Um, it's not that great a book, I'll be honest, um, but I, I did find that quite some some elements of it are quite interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting concept. So yeah, so yeah it's definitely a, a cool, a, an interesting elseworld. So that that's what I talked about with Dennis. Is like even if there's a bad elseworld, the idea behind it's usually quite good. Yeah, yeah. So uh, but yeah, um, get back to Long Halloween. Yeah. Then. Yeah, shall we? Shall we fleetingly return to the thing we're supposed to be talking about in this podcast? Um, so, um, do you, how do you think? Again, avoiding spoilers, but how do you think that the the kind of mystery element and the detective element is handled? Do you think Do you think the book keeps you guessing all the way through? Yeah, it does. I, I think it does
0: a good job of um, throwing red herrings your way, um, I, and and that's not the only red herring as well. I, oh. I quite like how um, there's a cute little bit right at the start in the first couple of issues where Jim Gordon thinks that. Harvey Dent might be Batman because he's got that he's got that that weight set in his room, and he's like, "Oh, these are really heavy." Yeah, um, that was he's got that the was, chiseled jaw. Yeah, that was kind of charming. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I think it, it does a really good job of keeping you guessing, and I think. Uh, they do the classic murder mystery thing of just as you think it's going to be someone,
1: that someone gets killed. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Which <laughs> I really like enjoy. Yeah, they're, they're every clue and stuff. What what I also like about the book is I quite like it when monthly books are set months apart, like a month apart, like yeah. time-wise. Now, now a lot of the times you're, you're very much like, you know, show, don't tell. You know, yeah. in most situations, you are like with these kind of stories, you're like, show me that. Don't. But I think what's great about this is you can you feel that time has passed and things have moved on. Yeah. But you've not seen the kind of interim within the month. However, you kind of you also don't feel shortchanged by that. Yeah. Like yeah. you've missed anything.
0: Yeah. That you know what I've never really thought about it. So, but yeah, it does give the story a little bit of time to breathe. Uh, yeah. And I think I think that works really really well. And the characters and relationships feel a little bit more lived in for it. Mm. And even though this is a very sort of year two gotham um it's really hard to describe it you just get an intangible kind of feel for it mm. and every time i come back to this book it's the same that same sort of feel and that's what excited me about that that uh, trailer for the teaser trailer for the batman is yeah it's this very sort of indefinable but very very batman feel oh it's such a good book like yeah. <laughs> if you've not read it read it if you have
1: read it you've probably forgotten how good it is and you really need to come back to it. I, I definitely, I definitely had forgotten how good it was. Absolutely, like, and it's, it's, it's. A, I found it like, I, I recently did a podcast for Comics in Motion with uh, Max Byrne. Uh, mandatory Marvel and DC invited me to talk about a mandatory Marvel book, and I chose the Death and Life and Death of Captain Marvel. And as much fun as I enjoyed reading that, it was a bit of a slog. Okay, like there, were, there were moments where I'm like, okay. Yeah, it's, it's, there's not much humour in this. Okay, I've read, I've read that sentence. I, you know, you, you said that last issue. You know, it's mm. kind of that. But it, again, it's it was an early early work from Jim Starlin, and it was kind of. You know, it, it was very 70s. It was very, you know, it of, was, of its era. It was that thing where it was people on
0: deadlines, doing month. It's like those, and it's got a sort of like raw energy, like um, like those early sort of Frank Miller issues of Daredevil. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you can tell when you're reading them, like you can tell what was written as a one-shot, you know, in an ivory tower somewhere, uh, where they had time to like prepare and time to sort of like think about the story and, and what was like right shit. Okay, how do we get characters ready to to point B? Yeah, in this issue, so they can be at point C in next issue. And uh, I, 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 yeah, as as satisfying as those one shots are, it's nice. There's, there's a kind of like scrappy energy to those. Uh, to to the stories of that that era that I really appreciate. Yeah, I, I,
1: um, it's so it's so kind of I mean there's there was a lot of drama and there was a lot of like, <laughs> like Max said it on the podcast he said that you know every sentence ends with an exclamation point it's all very dramatic and it, everything's very like intense and it's, it can feel kind of exhausting. But but when I read this I was like this I, I was within minutes I was halfway through it like yeah it's a real page turner it, it's a real breeze it's just so easy and again like he. Uh, jeff Loeb's really good at letting the art do the do the talking yeah you don't need all this this exposition. like this is what happened last issue this is how batman's origin you know came about you know it's just like last month somebody got murdered i'm trying to figure out who the murderer is yeah it's been going on for a year i'm still trying to figure it out like that's it that's all you need to kind of know and and like i said it's just like and again it's not Balloons and balloons and balloons of, of, of text. And I, again, I got through it in less than a day. And it was just, it was just a dream to read after reading something like that. Yeah. Where I was like, I was like, I've got to get this done. I've got to read this before the, the podcast. Like, this is just like, this has been like an absolute just. Just beautiful book. Like one of the best books out there for Batman comics, DC in general. Um, like Dan said, go out and read it if you haven't if you haven't reread it. But yeah, it's it's an absolute dream. I think one of the things Jeff Loeb does really, really well is sort of Batman's in a
0: monologue. Um, because I think I can't remember if there was a I don't know if there was a particular point where they sort of started to issue the thought bubbles or whether that's because mm. that's in my head that's always been more of a Marvel thing anyway with the thought bubbles like that it's very yeah. like Spider Man thing for me for some reason I always imagine like Spider Man swinging around mm. having thoughts with thought How, bubbles like the electric company when he used to he used to speak through thought bubbles yeah <laughs> and um, but whereas I like Batman to me has always been like his internal monologue is is communicated through the little boxes you know in the in the, yeah. in, the in the panels and I think Jeff Loeb has a really good um, uh, a really good sort of knack for writing Batman's in the monologue because he is very good at and as a writer myself hmm. who struggles with brevity he is very <laughs> good at saying a lot with a little and and I think if you're doing Batman's a monologue, you kind of have to do that. Um, it, it, he's very economical with it, but he also imbues it with a lot of character, uh, a lot of wit, and um, yeah, it's one—it's one of those things that um, that you don't necessarily notice because you're propelled by the story. But when you keep coming back to it, it is one of those books that keeps on giving because like you keep coming back to it, you keep finding something new every time you you read it. And what I love about it is you can breeze through it in an afternoon. But at the same time, if you go back and you take your time and you really savour the artwork, uh, you, you, it'll just speak to you in a different way. And you'll, you'll mm. sort of like, you'll, you'll, you'll hear the rain and you, it, that's pattering down onto the sidewalk in your head. You'll, like, you'll, you'll smell the smoke that's coming up from the sidewalks. You know, it's, it's, it's a really sort of immersive version of Gotham, which you don't always get. I think with, and I don't know whether it's a digital versus paper thing, but I find that, uh, or, or I just have less time these days, but I find that, um, when I read comics now, I kind of race through them a bit more. And it's probably because I've got like over a thousand issues that I've not got through to yet. And same shit I bought in like 2016. I thought, oh, I really must read this before like Batman v Superman comes out. <laughs> you know? I've got, in fact, I've got, I've got like, I've got uh, the entirety of uh, Peter David's run on Aquaman, which I wanted to get read before Aquaman came out. I've got all the Tahasi coats. Oh, yeah, the Black Panther. Yeah, I've yeah. got all of his run on Black Panther, which I wanted to read before Black Panther came out. <laughs> and I, yeah, I, I don't happens. know whether I'm just racing through because uh, of that or because I'm reading them on an iPad rather than in a physical book. But I, for some reason, there's something magnetic about the art that, that just leaves me lingering on the page a little bit longer with this. Yeah. And um, it, it, like I said before, it really is one of those books mm-hmm. that just keeps on giving you, every time, no matter how time, how many times you read it, you'll always find something new. And I've, you, I've been reading this for over 20 years now. Yeah. Uh, and it, yeah, it can always <laughs> yeah, it always it always gives me something new. It's not, it's not that bad. It's in resellable condition. Absolutely. Yeah, you could sell that. Definitely. I'm not bagged and bored of it. But, <laughs>
1: yeah. but no, I'd like. But I always. My, I think my drama teacher always said that, you know, the sign of a good script is that it's a mess, like it's in pieces. Yeah. The, I think it's the same with the sign of a good book. You, you know, read it front to back and it is going to get wear and tear, but it just shows you how much love you have for that story and those, yeah. and the, that writing. Um. So I, th- I think that's, that's the same with me. The like, the first few Spider Man books I had, I split the. the split right down the seams so all the pages are coming out and stuff and it was like a proper graphic novel and I was like back in the day I was like I'm going to read this <laughs> yeah. I was like oh god
0: well I, I, funny you should mention that because actually the uh, the cover has come off this I think oh, I've, no. I've super glued it since so it's pretty secure now but yeah I remember I remember. It, I literally kept turning the pages so much and because it's got these really luscious yeah, uh, full page spreads you want to yeah you want to yank it open and mm-hmm. see everything so
1: I was kind of hoping now I know in year one with now, I have no idea why, why Frank Miller decided to name Jim Gordon's wife Barbara... Uh, no. To add more confusion <laughs> to to everything, but I I really I really liked their the kind of um, struggling marriage in year one and yeah. the kind of the affair with uh, is it Essen Sarah Essen Sarah yeah. Essen uh, who later comes back into the the continuity as well much later um, I, I quite like that kind of story along with the kind of more fantastical elements of year one yeah and it'll always be a crime that Rennie Russo never got to play that character oh yeah. yeah
0: I I remember I remember when I first read that because oh, if they do this, because I remember, because Rene Russo was supposed to be Chase Meridian when Michael Keaton was doing oh, Batman really? Forever. Yeah, and then when they recast of Al Kilmer, they thought, that, oh, we, we need to go with someone a bit younger, so they went with Nicole Kidman. Oh. Uh, but I
1: remember thinking, yeah, Rene Russo would really, really crush it as Sarah Essen. That'd be amazing. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, uh, that'd be a great character to see as well, because I, I, think, I think within the Batman world, it, it's just... It's chock full of brim with kind of father figures. Yeah. And I think it would be nice to see more kind of mother figures like I'd love to see like Leslie Tompkins in a in a movie yeah. in a really juicy role, or someone like Sarah Essen or or somebody else uh, kind of similar to that. I know that I know they've kind of made appearances in Gotham and stuff, and but I would I would like to see them in a, like in the proper classic context of, of a Batman story and being yeah. the right ages and stuff. You know, have maybe a little romance with Alfred, maybe? maybe I, yeah. I think Scott Snyder did um,
0: quite a lot of stuff with martha wayne um towards the end of his run on batman i could be or it could be tom king i could be misremembering but i know they've sort of uh they've sort of made more of an effort to sort of flesh out martha wayne a little bit in yeah. recent years because I, I i yeah whenever you think of like batman's parenthood you, you inevitably think of thomas wayne mm. um and i and i think they are making efforts to sort yeah. of redress that a little bit
1: yeah it's just like the pearl necklace. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. about that's about it. You kind of go, but Martha Wayne, pearl necklace. That's that's kind of all you kind of know. Uh, now that that I, I didn't mean for that to sound as dirty as it sounds. Well, I was going to say now when you think of Martha Wayne, you think, why did you say that name? Yeah, I, I actually do. Yeah, I do think Martha. Um, but yeah. Which, yeah, I, a moment I will defend with my with my dying sure, breath. By the way, I'm sure you and, and will on this podcast. Oh as yes, well. oh have, yes. Don't I haven't forgotten that we need oh, to have know. a lengthy conversation. Oh, about I know. Martha. We'll we'll have it soon, <laughs> soon, sooner, sooner than you maybe you think. Who knows. Oh okay uh we'll see um but what I was saying was I kind of wished we'd had a bit more kind of tension in the within the Gordon uh, marriage yeah because because that's quite that' was quite a, a pivotal moment in that st- original story year one mm-hmm. but in this it's kind of like obviously it I mean, you kind of get a Harvey and Gilda having their issues. Yeah. Which kind of, I guess, kind of replaced that. But maybe just a little callback or a little nudge or, oh, I remember when you did this or do you yeah. remember when you did that? Or, like, there's still, like, a little bit of resentment there or something. I could have done with just something like that. Um, because it's not the perfect marriage, I don't think. And it, and it, you know, it will end. Yeah. Continuity-wise, we know it ends. We know that Jim and his son, uh, well, Barbara and her, and the son, James Gordon Jr., go off and, and you know, live somewhere else. Yeah. And In continuity, and I think it's a Scott... I think Black Mirror, Scott, he comes back. Yes, that's right, yeah. Yeah. James Gordon Jr. comes back in a very uh, disturbing manner.
0: Oh, that's such a good book as well. Yeah,
1: really good. That's kind of an early Scott Snyder story, because it's um, it's Dick Dick Grayson Grayson as Batman as well, which makes him quite unique. Um, But that's a really good story. Also, I had another question. In this continuity, Yeah, is Barbara Gordon the daughter? Is she a blood relative of Jim... Or is she adopted?
0: I think it, I could be wrong, but doesn't she? Doesn't Barbara say that
1: Barbara? <laughs> sorry, the Batgirl Barbara. Yeah. is his niece possibly there? Was there was a men- I think there's a mention in the book of Babs and a cousin yeah. or
0: something. See, I don't because there's like when I was reading through it most recently, like there were things that I kept expect to happen, which are actually in uh, Dark Victory, the sequel. Yeah, I think um, I think I was the same. Yeah, although uh, while I'm talking about that. We this this book really manages to cram a lot of story in. 12, I know it's 12 issues yeah. so it's longer than you usually get yeah, yeah. but it manages to cram a lot of story in and, but, but at the same time everything feels absolutely perfectly paced and I think the moments that need to breathe do get to breathe which is difficult in comics when you think about yeah. it, when it's really difficult to control the the reader's pace. Absolutely, and I think yeah. this book does that masterfully.
1: Yeah, I think I, I to- totally agree with that. I think, like we we're saying about the kind of the time between the months and the passing of that, I think that also allows the book to breathe, but then also makes you want to read it quicker and kind of devour it quicker as well. Yeah. Also at the same time, while like the, like even when I read it this time, like you said, you you want to hold on those pages and look at them. I, I would go back. Yeah. You know, because I go, you know what? I want to look at that again. I want. To, I want to see that again. I want to read that again. Te- really take that in. I think I definitely. I'm. I'm assuming there's an absolute edition of this somewhere. Oh, probably. I, I definitely want to pick up. I like think there's there, a. Bla- I think there's a black and white edition as well. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um. Kind of a noir Batman noir thing. Well, I mean, there are a lot of uh, black and white sort of sequences,
0: and they do the sort of Schindler's List thing where you have the little splashes of color where you need them the most, and and it would be a bit of a spoiler to talk about when and how they're used, but when, yeah, when they yeah. are, they use very, very powerfully. And mm. um, oh, it's just such a good book. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't like. I can try and articulate it as much as possible, but the, there's really no substitute for sort of reading it for yourself. No, exactly. I,
1: I and, I, and I, I respect this book so much that I think we've we. I know we've danced around it, and again, you know. There's probably a million podcasts about it everywhere. Oh, yeah. yeah and there's definitely. articles and lists and various other things. So it, it, we would, we would be retreading old ground to talk about it, you know, beat by beat and stuff like that. Um, uh, you know, the, I, f- I feel like as again, like the resolution to it is really earned. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. It's a really earned and it's, it, it really ramps up as well. The last couple of issues, it really does like really <laughs> like take that, like, Tension, everything that's been building up over this long Halloween, you know, comes to a real satisfying conclusion. Yeah, and and the and the kind of reveal of the culprit, um, he he or she, yeah, um, you know, is is interesting. And then there's also still a little room for doubt as well.
0: Yeah, that, that's what I mean. It's I I'm probably quite thick anyway, so I'm I'm quite <laughs> I'm quite I'm quite easily surprised, but. Um, what I what I liked about it was it, it the story so immersive and the art is so immersive that you kind of forget that it's a whodunit because you could very easily like be flicking through thinking hmm I think it's this person I think it's that person and you do that but only when the book wants you to I think mm. the you you, you question uh, who the killer might be when the book sort of prompts you to but I think generally you're t- too immersed in the story to really think about it all that much so that when the reveal does come it's it's surprising enough for you and and it it has the heft that it should mm. uh, in a way that i think if you spent all your time trying to guess who it was it wouldn't be quite as satisfying
1: no and and again like like you said there's a lot of red herrings so you can never really like the characters are never really sure mm. and like and you're never really sure so I, uh, and, and there's so many like, yeah, like you said, oh, it could be this person. Oh, no, they're dead. It could be this person. No, they're dead. You know, it's kind of, there's, there's, there's fun to that. And again, it's like, it's, it's, it's a large element to the story. Yet you could, you know, like you said, it could just be, you know, just a year in Batman's life and yeah. him just tackling all these villains. You get that element, but then you also get that other level of the mystery. Yeah. And like I said, I think the best Batman stories like, um, Under the Red Hood, Hush, you know, along uh, Halloween, there is a mystery element. There's a there's something that kind of a deeper connection to Batman, his characters, his past. Um, that are you know, no matter how you feel about the characters or the the reveals or the villains themselves, mm-hmm. I think there's always something to be mined there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I, and I and I'm I, I again the. I'd say that the detective work is not. I don't think there's much detective work. I'd say in this. No, I'd say more. It's kind of him chasing down leads. Yeah, yeah. More so than him like studying the crime scene and things like that. Because I think that might have slowed down the book. I think if there was yeah. a lot of the kind of like, here there was this and there was this DNA and there was that and there was the fingerprints and there was the, you know you don't really need to know that. You know the main kind of the gun, the the silencer, the little. Holiday treat that they that he leaves the calling card and that and that's all you kind of need to know. But he is kind of is interrogating, you know, strong-arming people, yeah. um, you know, kidnapping people and 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 tricking them with false masks and disguises, that sort of thing. Um, but I, I'm I, I I always enjoy a Batman mystery. I yeah, th- I think it plays to the the world's greatest detective sensibilities of the character as well. And it's not very often where Batman uh,
0: gets to be one step behind. Yeah, Uh, I think especially in sort of like the post sort of, I think, Early noughties it, we went into the sort of Bat God era yeah. where he became sort of infallible. He was always the smartest man yeah. in the room. He was always the best martial yeah. artist in the room.
1: It's like any any question, like Batman versus anybody, oh Batman wins. Yeah, you know every how much time times you get. Yeah, <laughs> um,
0: but whereas whereas I quite like how the book manages to keep him guessing and the, he, he always manages to get into the right place at just just yeah, the wrong just, time. Yeah, uh, but it's never at the expense of you, you. never start to doubt like how smart Batman no. is or or like how capable is as a detective it's yeah. all it's yeah it's just it's all perfectly pitched and what i wanted to just talk like in in closing what yeah, i want sure. to ask you is um like where do you stand on dark victory and do you think they caught lightning in a bottle with this book because for me anyway hmm. dark victory even though it's doing a lot of the same stuff it doesn't
1: and it's still yeah. a worthy book and oh I still yeah. enjoy it but it doesn't quite have that same intangible magic to it uh, I, I agree. I absolutely agree. I don't think it is as good. Mm. I do like the introduction of Robin. Yeah. I think that's integral. I, I love, I, I love the kind of most people that like i know i said i like solo batman but i also like the bat family yeah at the same kind of i like those stories as well and i'm not I'm not like i never want to see robin i never want to see batgirl i never want to see all these other characters because i like them in their own right but i do believe that long halloween is superior i think superior to dark victory is the haunted Nights, yeah um which is by the same creative team and it's three big kind of halloween specials i think um or kind of christmas specials and or al- annuals or something um and i think there's there. there solo stories or that collection is better than dark victory um so and i think that's kind it's kind of a sort of a prequel to long halloween i think because i yeah. think i think they were done before so there's there's some elements i know i know the the stuff about um because because um there's a bit in one of the stories in haunted nights where martha wayne is reading um a story to bruce and it's alice in wonderland Okay. And uh, and the, the the main story is uh, Barbara Gordon, daughter Barbara Gordon, gets kidnapped by the Mad Hatter. Okay. Um, and he says, and he kind of links that to the villain. He's like, you've twisted the memory of my mother. Um, and also in that same moment where they're like, right, we're going to close the book. We're going to go out now, Bruce. And then he, he says, mum, can you wear the pearls? Okay. And he asks her to wear the pearls. She's like, yeah, but this is for a special occasion. We're just going to the movies. She's like, please wear the pearls. And he asks her to wear the pearls, and then right. it, obviously that becomes a very famous element of the death. So you know, you've always seen the pearls, um, but yeah. So it kind of he almost twists the Mad Hatter into a minor, silly, sillier Batman villain into quite um, a kind of heart wrenching reminder of you know his loss and the reason he became Batman. Yeah, which I thought was a really nice story, and it's referenced in Long Halloween as well. So he, he mentions when he sees the Mad Hatter, he's like. I remember that. She read me that book, The Night She Died. Okay. That sort of thing. I have read Haunted Night, but I think I literally did. I,
0: I, I know exactly when I read it. I read it when I was 16, so it would have been 98. And I was working, I was on work experience in a library. And on my lunch break, I could just like get whatever I wanted to read. And I remember seeing. Sounds like a good job. I thought, Oh, this, this Batman book looks good. And I yeah. remember just taking up and like I had an hour long lunch break. So it was, mm. I was golden. So I, I think I, I got through it in, in an hour or two.
1: If I remember rightly, it's a Mad Hatter story, a penguin story, and then a kind of a Christmas carol type story. Yeah. Um, I think the penguin one, he kind of links to his kind of elitism okay. and kind of like because the, the oswald cobble the cobble parts and the waynes are like friends and i think in that issue or that annual he hires Lu- lucius fox because he's like i need someone to run my company the way it should be run and not you know like on one of these you know corporate fat cats um, right. so he hires him and he says you know because he met him like years ago in france okay. when he was like studying martial arts and stuff and he's like you're bruce wayne and you know he's like yeah i'm not interested in in Wayne Enterprises just leave it alone Um, and then he's like he's like yeah but we can do so much with your company we can help so many people and he's like yeah yeah I'm I'm more interested in just punching people at the moment Um, so that's quite a nice nice issue as well even though I don't like the design of the penguin for Um, some reason Haunted Night has been one of those books that I I keep seeing it on the shelf and thinking oh I'll pick that up at some point
0: because I've got I've got the I've got you know the Long Halloween and Dark Victory and I built so. Long Halloween's got like a blue spine. Dark Victory's got a red spine. And I believe Haunted Night's got an orange spine. Yeah, and I think it's spine. orange. Yeah. So, and I think they look all really good together on my shelf. But yeah. for some reason, I just never got around to picking it up. But I, I will pick it up, and I'm going to pick up a physical copy as well. Yeah, do I, it, just, do it. I think it's just one of those stories. Mm-hmm. I think Tim Sale's art is just better enjoyed yeah. on paper than. I, I would pick up. Screen.
1: I would. I honestly would pick up all the Jeff Loeb Tim Sale stuff. Um, especially Dead or Yellow is one of my favorites because yeah, it kind of it kind of reframes the kind of sillier. You know, weirder kind of early kind of scarlet swashbuckler era. Yeah, yeah. And kind of links it to kind of modern day and the death of Karen Page. Um, I know we're big fans of Daredevil. And- it's very sweet as well. It's a very, oh, yeah. it's a very sweet love story between
0: uh, Matt Murdock and Karen Page. And I think the, the characterization and the way she's drawn are, are very, very, uh, winsome. Yeah. Um, in the same way that uh, Deborah Ann Wall's performance is very, very like you—you you instantly like this character, yeah. and obviously she's she's in a very sympathetic situation in that show. But like, you, you, at no point do you stop liking Karen Page. You mm. like
1: through through the highs and lows, and I think the book does the same thing. Absolutely, and they're really good. The Marvel ones are really good because they're framed as letters to people that have died. Yes. Um. So for Daredevil, it's Karen Page. For Spider Man, it's Gwen Stacy. For the Hulk, it's Betty Banner, and I think. Captain America White is to Bookie? Yeah, I think it is Bookie, yeah. Um, so all of those characters are very integral to those stories as well and that's why they're kind of writing to them or recording um, a message to them. There's a really sweet a sweet moment in Spider-Man Blue where Mary Jane comes in while he's still recording. I was just thinking about that moment, yeah. And, so and she so says, yeah, and she's married to Peter at the time so they're still married. Um, he's recording this. He's like, you know, this is the anniversary or your birthday of your death. I can't remember. Um, and, she's, and she's like, oh, you're okay saying hello to Gwen. Say hello from me. Yeah, because they were friends. You yeah,
0: know? yeah. She says, "Tell her I miss her too." Yeah, and that that really like, oh, yeah. like, it's, like... <laughs> it's so easy to play that off as a rival, like a love yeah. triangle or a rivalry. Yeah. But like, no,
1: they're friends. Yeah, of course and they they were. You know, they, you know, there was rivals to some degree. But the MJ Spider-Man relationship has always been very up and down, very hot and cold throughout all of his history, in so. and out of continuity. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we're we're kind of slowly coming to the end of the, of this one. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I do re- I highly recommend it I think you know it, I'm sure it's been recommended forever but we we love it it's a big favourite of ours and
0: on the subject of continuity one last thing I want to say is like it's one of those books that benefits from being completely outside of continuity like you can yeah. there's something that happens in it which has implications for continuity yeah um, but it, it can fit really where kind of wherever you want it to it's it's as canonical as you want it to be really
1: and again it's it's somewhat of an origin story like we were saying earlier to the transformation of Gotham yeah. from from the the pinstripe mobsters to the the freaks of the asylum type thing um and 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 more but I, again don't want to spoil that yeah. um but i think i think pick it up if you've not read it like you said reread it read yeah. it again there's nothing you have to have read to understand yeah. it, which is so rare in comics, especially in the nineties, I think. Yeah, and I think I think if you are not a comic book reader per se, and you're not you know fully versed in all the kind of you know continuity errors and changes and you know crises on several Earths, yeah, um, you can just you know anybody can pick this it's up. It's really accessible. It's really it's, accessible. I mean, it reminds me of those kind of those nineties books that were like Marvel's Kingdom Come that were kind of coffee table books. Yeah, yeah. And I think I, this does have that feel, um, and I think that's that's to its strength as well definitely but there are elements you'll be like i don't really know that character or i'm not really sure but or the but you'll then you'll recognize the penguin the you know the scarecrow you know things from the films like it like i, I know we've i forgot to mention it really but it's got a heavy heavy influence on the dark knight chris nolan's dark Knight. oh yeah is, big time you know and that's one of the best batman movies ever if not yeah. the best and, and i think there's a lot of that in this there's even I believe in Harvey Dent. Of you course, know, yeah, that's like, where it comes from. That you know, that comes from that book and he does. He does genuinely believe that that Harvey he wants to help Harvey and do make Harvey the best he can be. And and he, you know, I think that he says the I think Gordon says he was the best of all of us as well. I think something like that, I think he says. And there's even a line in this book where, where
0: Batman sort of like implies that his his mission is finite, you know. Yeah. I think it's like i think it's new year's eve he basically mm. says like oh I'm, I'm one year closer to this being over right yeah. and it's it's really uh interesting when you're in that sort of year two era to think yeah well, he, this wasn't always the never-ending battle you know i know no. that's the superman thing but yeah. <laughs>
1: this was meant to be a finite thing mm. yeah like he wanted to solve crime he was to stop all crime and he says he even says in the book he's like i'm that close yeah I'm that yeah. close yeah. Um, He thinks that when he, with the fall of the Roman Empire, that that'll do it. That'll just, you know, that's one massive chunk. That's one massive goal I've achieved. And again, he talks about throughout. He talks about the promise. Yeah. Like in the opening, like even I think the first opening pages, there's a quote, the quote marks, like the first five or six pages are the quotes of him going, I promise my parents I will end crime. Yeah. I'll do this. And then, you know, it's the first few pages he says that line as well. And I think that's very important. And, and again, plays throughout the book. Um, I mean, I'm just trying to think of any, any other kind of moments. There's some great Catwoman stuff in here as well. There is some great Catwoman um, and some
0: great Selena Kyle stuff as well. Yes. Yeah. I,
1: I, I don't, I think Selina, Selina Kyle has never looked as gorgeous and there is a there is a spin-off as well in this sort of uh, little uh
0: yes th- this little sort of continuity sub-continuity mm-hmm. uh Catwoman when in Rome which
1: is a whole other podcast, but it's definitely yeah. worth checking out. Um, I I almost included it on my top five Riddler stories. Okay, it is a good Riddler. story. It is a very good Riddler story. Um, it's a great Catwoman story, and it does it does have a lot to. I think it's it's set between Long Halloween and Dark Victory, I believe. Yes, it is. I think yeah. so. Um, and and you kind of you kind of understand what she's doing in this book. It kind of gives um, kind of. It changes your perspective on why she's doing what she's doing. Yeah, um, And you lent it to me and I read it, and I loved it. Um, so thank you very much for letting me have that. my to pleasure. Um, but yeah, is there anything else you would like to say about Batman and the longest of the Long Halloweens? It's everything you want in a Batman story perfect i I couldn't couldn't say i can't disagree with you at all i'd love to i'd love to tear your argument to shreds (laughs) but i can't it's it is exactly what you want from batman in general again um Heavily influencing two major Batman films, you know, and and more, no doubt. And we've got an animated adaptation on the way. Exactly. I can't wait for that. Maybe we, can, maybe we could review that. I'd be delighted to, yeah. yeah we'll have to have that. Have that. Uh, I think it's in two parts as well, which I think yeah. I prefer with these bigger stories that split it, like Dark Knight Returns. Definitely, yeah. I, I'm glad they decided to split it. I, I think they probably should have done that with Hush as well, um, and maybe a couple of the other stories, but that's my opinion. So, Dan. You are on the social medias, aren't you? I am, yeah. You
0: can find me uh, on, on the Twitter, at uh, DLKetus, that's K-E-A-T-I-S. Um, I try to be nice, even though uh, Twitter makes it difficult sometimes. But <laughs> uh, I'm also on Instagram, uh, the same at. Uh, I post on there very, very irregularly. But uh, I, if you like pictures of hot toys,
1: um, poorly taken with an
0: over-reliance <laughs> on
1: filters, you might enjoy them. There you go. Well, as always, you can find the podcast on Facebook at Secret Balls. Uh, Twitter is at Dan underscore balls. Instagram, Spider Dan Secret balls. And the podcast is available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. And previews are available on YouTube and many, many more places. And if you'd like to donate towards the podcast, you can buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com forward slash Spider Dan and the Secret Balls. And if you are going to interact with us, don't forget to use the hashtag Prepare. Care for prattle thanks for joining us this shock phobia fest i hope you've enjoyed all the range of interesting delights horror delights that we brought to you um, thank you again for joining me down this has been excellent my pleasure all right we'll see you next year no no we'll, we'll see you next month all right Bye-bye, <laughs> bye bye everyone bye bye